A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Hello, 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 you guys. We are back at it. I think this is our second week in the week in a row being consecutive we're not yes. sick our babies are alive <laughs> mrs swiftish if you uh, don't know i'm ashley and i'm shelby oh gosh and we're back i know and, i mean this episode will be released on thursday but it's december 13th so happy yes. birthday taylor happy birthday taylor our number one fan and avid oh, listener yes. uh yes. i've been i, no I, I woke up with lizzo is it your birthday, girl? Cause you're looking like a present. I'm like, I have to make a reel. Let's just like Taylor Swift birthdays. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see if she does anything because I think the rumor was, oh, she'll release one of her re-recordings on December 13th, or, or maybe it was supposed to be like last week. I don't know. People thought she was gonna really speak now, which kind of relates to what we are talking about today. They were speculating she was going to really speak now so that she could release um, Dear John about singing about being a 32-year-old, you know, dating a 19-year-old. But she might have already recorded Dear John as a 32-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's a it's been an interesting week for her. Um, the Shake It Off lawsuit was dropped, so congrats. Um, that means 1989 Taylor's version, free and clear, right? Mm-hmm. We're getting it. <laughs> we don't know if that's why it never came out, but it seems like there had been hints that that was the next one, and then it kind of fizzled, and then who knows all that went well, into that. But and then I, then like you know everyone after the bejeweled music video and then after the anti-hero music video the purple glitter which yeah. is really midnight blue now I like, know I was like Taylor <laughs> yeah so people if you haven't watched it she did an interview and she was talking about um in the anti-hero music video when she drinks too much she throws up in the anti-hero Taylor Swift's lap and she said it was midnight blue glitter throw up and I mean and that she bled in the music video yeah, like, but are we colorblind? purple. Is, is Taylor colorblind? <laughs> I don't know. Someone on set, I meant to go back and, like, re-examine that shot because I was like, I really do remember this being purple. Yeah, it's not like, like a fever very dream. purple. Yeah. yeah like, I, I understand that, like, midnighty blue can lean purple, but this felt like speak now purple. Like which glitter is gel pen yeah. purple. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but – yeah, I don't know. Uh, she might have just been. You know, that's like a whole other mess because the the rise and falls of this week, honestly, it talks mm-hmm. about uh, slopes and valleys. Um, but <laughs> she, so she was announced that she would be doing. Well, first she released her behind the scenes director cut of mm-hmm. making all too well music video, not music video. She doesn't ever call it a music video. It's a short film. Yeah. Um, and it was clearly, you know, I'm I have my PSU Wrong podcast, and it's now the era, it's the age of um, that Oscar push, the the yeah. the attempt to be in the public discussion so that you get that nomination. Um, and so it seemed like a very clear reminder that she wants to be a director and to mm-hmm. be taken seriously, and that she's gunning for that short film Egon. nomination. Yeah, which I. That's that's a that's a great goal. I've seen a lot of the shorts that have been nominated for Oscars in the past, and the push for this to be considered a short film 
it does feel like a stretch. But I was like, you know what? That's great. That's fine. You know, it's cute to see her working. She was clearly having a good time. She's, you know, learning how to give directions, yelling kiss and um, <laughs> giving punchlines and all that. Um, and it was your foot. And I, I appreciate that. But then it was announced that, yeah, she'd be doing this directors on directors interview with Variety, which they do annually, again, with some of the bigger names that are um, in talks for these awards and doing some of the biggest films. Like this year, you know, you have, I think, Ryan Coogler, who did Black Panther. Um, and she was paired with um, a director who did The Banshees of Irishen, which is a film that's very much being lauded as like a potential Oscar runner for all sorts of awards. And so immediately there was pushback of like, why is Taylor Swift here? It's so... <laughs> The, the caliber of directing is just so different. Like, yes, yeah. I love Taylor, but the caliber, it's, yeah. it's a bit different. Yeah. And they always have like, you know, the idea is they try to mix it up and like mm -hmm. pair people who you wouldn't always expect to be paired and like who can have interesting discussions. And like, yes, this director has done smaller, you know, like he started with a really short film that went, that became big and then he got these chances mm -hmm. to do feature films and so it was like, huh, I mean, okay. A lot of people were mad about it. I could see why. I don't think so it's who, – who was mad? Was it more of the um, – like the critics? Oh, like the film. Like the okay. – yeah, the industry. Okay. I, so like, I mean – On my timeline, yeah. no one was mad about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Different, different timelines. Uh, but no, like people in the industry and fans of movies were like – Taylor Swift, like, what is mm -hmm. she doing here? Because, again, All Too Well 10-Minute Music Video was a big deal for Taylor Swift fans. What about the man? <laughs> she's Gosh. directed other – she's and directed 11 music videos and now one short film. We haven't um, seen all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. I know I'm going to get hate for, like, laughing at this, and I'm not trying to diminish Taylor Swift's talent or say mm -hmm. that she shouldn't be able to stretch and grow. And if I was rich, if I had time and space to just – explore any sort of curiosity or um, desire I had, then I'd definitely go for it. And it's great that she has the resources and time and money to try new things. Mm -hmm. I think the issue becomes like there was a lot of criticism that's like, oh, she took a spot from another woman. It's like, well, that's not entirely true. And also there's not this like hierarchy of yes. like opportunity. Like she she definitely has more of a head start and she mm -hmm. definitely has more of whatever, but it's not like she was like, hey, get me on this list or I'll blacklist you forever. <laughs> Maybe she was. I don't know. But I think the criticism is more, what is she doing here? Stay mm -hmm. in your lane type. But that's not entirely fair because artists of all variety have kind of, you know, actors become directors, directors become actors. Mm -hmm. Um and storytelling is an interesting medium. She's tried storytelling through poetry. Uh, she's obviously a songwriter. Um, and in her folklore, Evermore stuff, she said like, oh, I, I want to write more stories. Mm -hmm. And so that came with the new announcement that she has written and will now direct her first feature film yes. for Searchlight um, Pictures. 
which is another big deal and another mm-hmm. thing that a lot of people in the general public got salty about. <laughs> well, you and I had differing opinions and differing <laughs> excitements on on this because we, I like, I was literally reading the article when you texted me about it and you're like, how do you feel? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And you were more like, is this overexposure I'm for her so at nervous. this point? You're so nervous. <laughs> if it's not like cats, like – it can go either in two Imagine. directions. Yeah. It could be really bad. I feel like if it's mediocre, people will lump it into really bad. Right. Or it could be really good. Um, a lot of things I think that it'll depend on is the acting, the script. Because what did you say about songwriting, writing poetry, going into actual script writing? You you mentioned something in our text message, and I think coming from you to be better. What's the difference? Like the like oh like her. Like, I don't remember what I said. Like, I have a lot of feelings. So, about you, this. you were talking about like maybe it won't really, like, songwriting is one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It won't translate. It might not yeah. translate well. And one thing yeah. I'm hoping is hopefully, like, with Searchlight Pictures, with her team, hopefully there will be other producers, other assistant directors, other writers who have had their eyes on it that have been in the industry. So, yeah. I think it's going to be. The script is gonna be it's gonna be the number one thing. Then it's gonna be the actors because I've seen a lot of great actors in like bad shows, bad movies, and it's <laughs> yeah. been terrible. But then I've seen them other stuff and they've been good. Um, hold on, the genre, ooh, the genre. That's that's another thing, and the timing. It's just it's very interesting. Yeah, because it's like like a lot of actors have done like sort of indie films first directors like. Brie Larson did a movie for Netflix called Unicorn Store that she wrote. I think she wrote it, but she definitely directed it. It was very quirky. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it, but it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. And then more famously, Greta Gerwig was an actress and then did Lady Bird, which was sort of a um, kind of of based on her own life, uh, her own experiences, coming of age story. And I do feel like that's what Taylor is going to skew towards. I don't think it'll be a genre film, like a murder mystery or a mm-hmm. action or, you know, I feel like it's going to be one of those sort of indie coming of age, something sort of related to her, but also just something probably where she imagines like a life, like I was talking to you about, like probably some high school or adult story, like you see her explore with um, Cardigan and Betty mm-hmm. Something where she can tune into her strengths, with which is these, like, straightforward relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think she wants to write something like Where the Crawdad Sings, where there's, mm-hmm. like, a murder she has to solve. Or no, I, I feel like it had, has to be, like, interesting and energetic. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Okay, so you know how she did, like, This Is What You Came from, For, and that was under, like, Neil Sonberg, or however you say that oh, name. Like, yeah. what if she had, like, directed something and wrote a script and re- released it under a pen name? I don't – I'm not necessarily – the thing – the overexposure thing, yeah. I think this is going to be a big moment where she, she – she's being vulnerable. Like, she I don't really think is. I would have the courage to do this, having the haters that she does mm-hmm. and having been through what she has to, like – not only, you know, she's she's come back. She's solved her crisis in the music world. She's top mm. of her game. Yeah. But to now have to woo an entirely different class of yes. creatives. Who have. Like, that's scary. And they already have their 
opinions on preconceived her. notions yeah, of like preconceived notions and they're um, judgmental oof. about like what they already don't like when actors become directors they don't yes. like when broadway stars become hollywood stars they don't like when hollywood stars go to broadway so it's like ugh, it gives me cringe it has to be like so good mm-hmm. or else it'll be just eviscerated do you, do you think she's going to have a cameo in her movie <laughs> Oh God! That's I don't question. think so. I don't think so. I think, to her credit, she does love film. She loves mm-hmm. the artistry of it, and she's mm-hmm. been vocal, especially this past year, about directors she admires, the stories they tell. Like, I think she does see it as a medium that she's interested in. So, I don't think this is like a quirky little side project where she's like, well, "Why not?" Like, I think she is putting her heart into it. Yeah. My fears revolve around. I don't know. Yeah, like like there's something so different about writing a song and then writing realistic dialogue. And I think when I think of the weaknesses in Taylor's writing, I think of those like maybe more flowery and ostentatious sort of liner notes she's doing where she's mm-hmm. talking in very flowery, like elegant. I, I don't know. It can feel over the top and kind of over polished. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how she'll do with just dialogue to work for her you know she Mm -hmm. can't and people aren't monologuing like they are in songs you don't get someone sitting there explaining the story like champagne problems you have and I'm not saying I could write a movie like I don't want to be like well she can't do it it's more I'm curious to see how the songwriting talent will translate because I don't think Greta Gerwig could write a song you know Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I had thought she'd always do, like, a musical before she went oh, to film. Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's like, I mean, you had, we've talked about La La Land, maybe something mm. like that. Um, and we probably won't get it to, like, what, 2024, 2025, because she has yeah. her tour, her re-records. She hasn't announced her her Europe, um, yeah. Asia tour. Yeah. So it's going to be a long time. And I... I do you kind of think that maybe she's kind of at the point of she's talked about in the music industry, you reach a certain point and people are like, oh, we don't want to see you anymore. Do you think that like she's still going to write? She 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 said she loves to create like she that that's her her happy place is creating. Do you think she's also kind of like branching out in these new directions? Because she's like, you know, like maybe I Diversify. won't. Yeah, she, I won't always be number one um, pop star. I'm going to be 40, 50, 60. And I always want to create, but I'm not, might not be able to create in the way I, I want to or the yeah. way that I'm doing it now. Yeah, I could see that. I also feel like if she's in rehearsals for tour, she's like, wow, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. 32 and I'm like, I don't know if I would want to dance every night for three months straight, you know? I mean, <laughs> it makes sense why Justin Timberlake dances the way he does now. Like, yeah, the exactly. Man in the Woods tour, you guys, like, he was just yeah. sitting in front of a We're fireplace for the whole time. It in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. I mean, Taylor's not dancing like her backup dancers, but she does yeah, yeah. a great show. And she's yeah. always, like, sweaty and exhausted. and Yeah. And, you know. and I, obviously, I'm not saying 35 is, like, geriatric I just um, mean I think so I was just thinking that so I'm 36 so you guys don't don't say it that you know, I know um yeah I'm like I don't know if it's because the heater's on or if I'm having hot flashes but I'm like sitting down I'm just like oh yeah, I'm going through yeah. menopause life <laughs> takes it out of you yeah. no I I think I don't know if it's like as you know if she's masterminding like strategizing oh I have to 
diversify my portfolio so I can be a millionaire in 10 years. I think it's more that she has had this free time to kind of Mm -hmm. just focus on what she wants to do. And she's been able to revisit all these old stories and be like, wow, Mm -hmm. why am I running so hard? Like, why am I chasing this so hard when I've already like reached every goal I had as a kid? And so it seems like she just has this flexibility now to like do what she wants, work on what Mm -hmm. she wants. She's clearly inspired by the people around her, the, the social circle she keeps. So like, hey, you know, why not like have fun with it? She has friends in the industry that I'm sure are great mentors, like Mm -hmm. whether that's Ryan Reynolds or, you know, um, Blake Lively and whatever, there's room there where she can like pick someone's brain, like, you know, Guillermo and being like, oh, like how'd you direct like a woman in water? Like, you know, like there's so much just ease when you reach that level yeah. of like money and and not even like and and just like you've done it you did your your you've you did it you you made your dreams come true she could retire so. and it's not yeah. out of desperation i just yeah, like yeah. you said it's very much like you know like oh i've reached the peak what's my 5 year goal now what do yeah. i want to work on next like i can still yeah. i can still easily write produced release music because I can do that with my eyes closed and like my hands tied behind my back. Um, But what's, what's next? What's next? And it's probably fun to like, you know, try a different medium because she has like, especially with midnight, she's like, Oh, I'm revisiting like the nights that kept me up over my 13 Mm -hmm. years. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, maybe she's getting tired of regurgitating the same stories or even having the press regurgitate the same stories when she's writing fictional songs about champagne problems. It's suddenly like, Oh, did she, get engaged and we didn't know it. It's like, Mm -hmm. maybe she's trying to distance herself from having that sort of repetitive art form. I think she's always going to have that because when she writes this, when we watch this movie, I guarantee you so many Swifties are going to make TikToks, Tumblr, go on Reddit, go on Twitter. And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, this, this actor said ABC, this means xyz like it's gonna be like that maybe like, she's gonna write a queer love story and then the fandom will just implode uh, they will oh yes I love <laughs> that, that would be iconic <laughs> speaking of fandom imploding if you're yeah. ready to move on oh uh, gosh, Ticketmaster, yes. you know killed us all a month ago But a lot of people who weren't able to get tickets yesterday woke up with emails in their inboxes being like, oh, you have an opportunity to buy two tickets. Um, I think Rob might have gotten the email, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what it sounds like, depending on like what city you had selected during pre-sale, these are the tickets or the shows that you're available to purchase two tickets. Yeah, that's what I saw online, but his didn't say anything particular. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, did he put his credit card in? What do you mean? Because some people, in order to like register that they wanted to do it, they had to put their credit card information in and oh, their price limit. Did he? Have I to should do look at the that? email. I haven't I, even looked because I think it came into. I think you're supposed to get one email to register saying yes, I want this, and then a second email. Um, I think, and you put your credit <laughs> well, card I've information. I gotta get him in line. <laughs> you get your credit card information. You put. Um, how much you want to spend. They have like four different tiers. Like you want to spend 70 to 400. You want to spend 70 to 200 and it goes down, but you don't get to select where you sit, right? what price you pay. It just has to be within the 70 to 500, how much you select. So like, that's also a gamble and you aren't guaranteed to actually get the ticket. I think Ticketmaster did like pre-authorize your credit card for like a dollar, 
But on December 26th, I think you'll know if you have tickets. Mm. But I didn't get the email. I, didn't get the email. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because yeah. I bought through, I bought through Capital One pre-sale and Lance bought through regular pre-sale. So like our accounts already have tickets. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I, I need him to forward that to me so I can study it because he was just like, whoa, it doesn't say <laughs> now I'm doubting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting plot twist. I think, um, the way they phrased it in the email was something like Taylor is providing this opportunity. And I love the idea that she's like, you little bitches, like (laughs) I, I have to do everything, don't I? And they're like having to say like, this isn't our solve. This is Taylor's solve. Like Taylor did this, like, please give her your roses. Um, because, yeah, it is interesting, like, what a mess that was. They clearly had to put the pause on it. There were definitely unsold tickets. We just didn't know what they were doing with it. And so this mm-hmm. seems like an interesting solve um, to try and help the people who were supposed to get the, the um, priority in the first place. But people um, haven't. Some people who have the boost and priority still didn't get the email. So oh, really? Sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. No, it doesn't suck to suck. It sucks that Ticketmaster sucks and screwed over the people that didn't suck. (laughs) That's what I mean. Sorry. (laughs) You're like, man. I'm just like, it sucks. Like, it really sucks. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I feel bad for you. But, you know, it's also some people have like bought tickets on like three different accounts and then one of their accounts got this email and they're like, I can buy more tickets. And I'm like, please just. Don't. I mean, do it if you want. You like do it if you can give them to me for my birthday show. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, do it if you want, but don't go on Twitter and tell everybody that you're doing oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, kind of like, yeah. you know, don't rub the, the salt in the wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. A little post-Christmas bliss, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other news, but. Um, mm-hmm. I know we've had, like, we've had a lot of. A lot of news. <laughs> I know. It's like, let's take a breather because yeah. I did watch the directors on directors. And it was interesting. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I think like, I didn't know where to watch it. I didn't know what format to watch it. It's on YouTube. Am it's I on fan? Twitter. Variety tweeted it. And um, it was fine. Like they have, she's very charming to watch. It's just, you know, she's, she's young in this idea of directing. So watching her talk about versus him is always going to be interesting. And that's part of the charm of these series they do, Mm -hmm. but it does. I just have this nervous energy about like the battles I've survived for Taylor and wondering if this is one I could live through as well. You know, you can, (laughs) you can live through this. Yeah, luckily P.S. You're Wrong was on hiatus today, so I didn't have to cover that. But you have to cover Culture Roundup. Matt. Yeah. That's all I have to say, you guys, is Matt. I'm sure he'll bring it up next chance he gets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, well, anyways, I'm really excited about this week's episode. Um, I chose Would Have, Could Have, Should Have, which is such a powerful song. Definitely one of critics' favorites. It's one that's risen to the tops. It premiered. It debuted at number 20 on the Billboard list, even though it was on the 3 a.m. tracks. Like, this is a song that people are citing on the best of the year, best of the um, Taylors. Like, all of – this isn't an underrated song. Let's just no. say that. <laughs> no. So we're not trying to bring attention to it. Um, I just really want to dig into it because it's everything I love about a Taylor 
ballad. Um, it's everything I wanted from this album when she pitched it as like the nights that kept me up because I cannot relate to her being like, oh, I'm so in love. I'm so giggly. I'm just staying up at night thinking about it. Rob, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> the things that keep me up are anxiety and oh, yeah. uh, depression. Yes, yes, that's me. I'm, when, I'm, when I'm happily in love, I just fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No worries. So, um, so while I wanted something more poppy and I do love what we got with Midnight's um, this is probably more of what I expected, mm-hmm. at least in in part. Like I did think we'd get some pop elements, but I thought the themes would be, wow, this dude's screwed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like you got Petty Taylor with that really, really like nice bridge. It just yeah. cuts into him. That's yes. like what you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She was like clearly doing her re-recordings for Speak Now and thought, you know what, who I haven't talked enough about? John Mayer. And she's like, everyone's everyone's hating on Jake Gyllenhaal. He's not the worst. And I I ranked her boyfriends once and I got a lot of heat for not putting Jake Gyllenhaal last because they're like, all too well to admit a version. Like, oh, how can you think? No. And I'm like, John Mayer is the worst. Yes. And now I'm valid. I'm, I'm vindicated. So um, I was just reading something today that was saying like, at first, you know, when Dear John came out, he was like, oh, this is dumb. Like, it's like blatantly obvious, like. But then, like, I think a few years later, he had said that he'd be jazzed if his exes still wrote about him. He said, "Sometimes I hope it's about me. Sometimes it's a really good song, the slow burning in a." Oh, sorry, I'm quoting the actual thing. <laughs> it's a really good song. I don't think it's a dirty omission. Uh, sometimes a song is so good, I go, "Man, I hope it's about me." I'll check yeah. everyone's music out. I'm a fan. Like, there's no way. Like, I know. this is a great song and it's about him. He's he's a number one fan of what it could have, should have. Yeah. I, John Mayer. So that's, this song to me, inarguably, is about John Mayer. There's a lot of parallels to Dear John, the 19 mm. age. Yes. Um, and the so I don't so think much. that's really questioned. One, um, okay, I did see a TikTok because, you know, TikTok is my research now. Yeah, everyone yeah. Just has so much stuff. And I don't agree with this. So I have to put okay. this out. Okay, I do yeah. not agree with this theory, but I'm putting it out there because... 99.9% of the population think it's about um, it's about John. This girl's her video did go viral. She actually was thinking it's about like Scooter and, or Scott Bruschetta taking her work, um, you know, taking her girlhood, stealing her stuff, fighting with with him about her her masters. No. And she was like, because like John Mayer was like 13 years ago. Like, who cares about him? Well, like, the song you don't references care. 19. Exactly. So, so many uh, <laughs> references and parallels between Dear John and Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda. Yeah. Yeah. I've also seen people try to say, oh, it's also about Kanye because the mm-hmm. um, VMAs incident was the same time. But no. And we'll get into why. But I think first and foremost, let's just uh, establish John Mayer as a figure in Taylor's life. Yeah. Uh, John Mayer. Well, I read um, – Jessica Simpson's memoir. Did you yes. ever listen to that? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So good. So good. Honestly recommend it for anyone. I'm not like a – I didn't know anything about Jessica Simpson. Like I wasn't a stan who was like, I got to read this. I. It's yeah. really beautifully written, really powerful, and a lot of it is about this toxic relationship she had with John Mayer on again, off again, around the same time as – Taylor Swift's run in with him. And so mm. you get a lot of insight into his character and how he treats the women he dates and mm. the women he interacts with. And um, and you get a lot of yuck and ick from 
how he engages with uh, the opposite sex. Yeah. Um, truly just bleh, always hated him, never into him. <laughs> John Mayer can joke. <laughs> but the point is, it was like his height of his career, you know, he I he was like, you know, riding high. And he tweets that he had written this song called Half of My Heart and he wanted Taylor Swift to be on it. He specifically Stevie calls her Nicks, out. Right? He wanted her to be his Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so this was in um, June or March. This was in March of 2009. Mm -hmm. He and her Taylor had never met. They'd never interacted. But she had said in the past in interviews that John Mayer, she was a fan of John Mayer's music. So he just comes up with this little tweet, sends it out, and then she responds as an excited um, 19 year old would that like OMG I can't believe he knows I exist like yes let's do it mm -hmm. um, and so then they they have that interaction it's like confirmed they'll do it and the rest of the summer there's these sort of random run-ins and interviews where it's talked about and so in May of that year he comes on her Speak Now tour and they do a performance or his her Fearless tour and they do a performance of your Body is a Wonderland, and her song White Horse. And then he's talking about, oh, yeah, she's – he goes on this oh, – I hate everything he does. I can't listen to a single interview with him. This he's is a strong. very biased take on, <laughs> on well, him. Well, you, you are – the audience you are speaking to feel the yeah. same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. This is a safe space. Yeah. Um, because throughout that summer, he does these, like, interviews where he talks about her – in such a condescending way where he's like, oh, yeah, like, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you don't understand what these girls, like, if they're really talented or whatnot. And he's trying to, like, play it up as a compliment where he's like, I thought she'd be this, but then I learned that she was this. Like, she had to prove it to him that she was talented. Mm. And he constantly referred to her as, like, childlike mm -hmm. he constantly talked about how oh it was so cute like i like how naive she is i like her freak out where she's like surprised when she wins i like that she's she's Predator. on the cusp of something but like cusp still so naive hit? yeah <laughs> and it's just like there's a specific interview where he says oh she's like a child which will matter when we get into the lyrics mm -hmm. but i just want you to sit with that um and then uh, September 2009 is when uh, the VMAs happen. Um, this is also when Taylor Lautner comes into Taylor's life and they start dating. But then in December, this is when – actually, when did Half of My Heart even come out? Half of My Heart came out on his album, The – the battle studies, which I don't know when the battle studies come out. Let me... It was like sometimes in the summer, fall, right? Let me see. Like when they you guys, all... this is why Google is amazing. So the battle <laughs> studies for John Mayer came out in November 17th, oh, okay. 2009. And so production okay. was from February to August. Yeah, yeah. So they had filmed it in the summer. And then that came out. Right after, right after the VMAs incident. And then December 9th is when John and Taylor are seen at a dinner together. And it seems like they're getting a little bit more cozy. Mm -hmm. But people are like, oh, she's still dating Taylor Lautner. Mm -hmm. And then a couple nights later on December 11th, they do their big jingle ball performance where he's performing and then she comes on stage and sings their song together. 
um, which again is a love song and it's a very big moment. It's like very splashy. Taylor's clearly like enamored and like trying to be on his level and they have this big moment and then they're seen like um, backstage. This is where the rumors pick up that they're getting close and snuggly and then they they leave together and it's rumored that they spend the night together. Nothing's verified. All of it's kind of just hearsay and you can never really know for sure. But that's the date that sort of rings out as this messy moment in their Mm -hmm. timeline. Um, Because then her and Taylor Lautner sort of fall apart in the end of December. Um, The last time they're seen together is December 14th, just a couple days after this. And then by the 29th, their breakup is announced and she's seen more hanging out with John Mayer in January where this big story published. And I don't know if you remember reading this, but I do because Mm -hmm. it was on the like January 25th, there was this big like, you know, uh, gossip mag story where it was like they were seen at dinner with friends and they were snuggling, cuddling. Taylor was on her lap. They were acting, quote unquote, like teenagers. And then while she was 20, no longer. Yeah, she was finally 20, (laughs) but they were acting like teenagers still a little throwback for Miss Taylor. Yeah. And then at the end of the story, a source says that he had asked John Mayer how his night with Taylor went because they'd gone back to the hotel together. And he, to this source's, you know, recollection set, laughed and boasted, how do you think it went? And so mm. this story broke and people were suddenly like, they slept together. They hooked up. Taylor is dating bad boy John Mayer. Um, huge, huge, like moment that I remember mm-hmm. as being like uh, how could he say that first of all and also she would never <laughs> yeah and I'm sure that fueled so many fires for her just yeah. having him say how do you think it went and oh, he's yeah. not someone who's shy about talking about <sighs> his past interactions with women like your body is a wonderland is all about Jessica Simpson's body. When he's been Mm -hmm. on the Howard Stern show, he's very graphic and talks about stuff. I think the only ex he has, like, he's been on, like, good terms with is Jennifer Aniston. Everybody else has just been kind of, like, he's just plummeted it and talked crap about them and talked about their body and having sex with them. Well, this was a huge mess of a year for him, 2010, because in February, his Playboy article comes comes out, which is where he talks about, like, Jessica Simpson being sexual napalm and using, like, the N-word and saying his vagina, his penis is a white supremacist and, like, just a toxic, horrible, horrific interview. How is he still a a thing? How is he still, you know, Oh, to I mean, to society's credit, he kind of fell – he had to, like, disappear for a few years. Like, he – moved to Montana and like didn't do anything for three years or something. So there was a backlash against him, but it did, you know, also taint these women that he did talk about because then Jessica Simpson Mm. was trying to promote her work, but it was constantly about like, what did you think about John Mayer saying this totally inappropriate thing about you? And I think it's interesting that in Dear John, Taylor sings, oh, um, I stopped picking up in this song is to let you know why, because they're not seen together until um, June when he gives her an award. He presents her with an award for songwriting. 
And it is the most condescending speech where usually they talk about like how great the artist is, like what they've done, what they've contributed. But it was all about John Mayer and him and his artistry. And he's like, we're the same, her and I. We're both we're both black swans. We're both, you know, oh, we're, we're similar to each other in that there is actual talent there, he says, about her and like how um, – it's like he's trying to attach himself to her as he's giving an award for her songwriting and it's so yucky and you can like find it online and it's just like the most condescending little like thing and then they like she gives the he gives her the award and they give this like hug but what's interesting is this is right after the run-in that inspires the story of us Mm. and so at the at the CMAs, I think they were sat next to each other, and she went up. And there's like there's a camera, like little pictures of them. She goes up to him. He stays seated. He doesn't get up. Doesn't hug her. She's John. trying to have a conversation with him. Yeah. And then she like walks off. And she later told in in her speak now like promos. She's like, yeah, this song is about a run in where it was so awkward, it was so uncomfortable, and I realized like, oh, that's just like. It felt like I was standing alone in a crowded room, uh, and then she wrote this song. And so, so she was hoping she was she was thinking there was still hope for them. I don't even know if it was like what she said is this was a person who how did she phrase it? She said um, this is one of those situations where the strange place that I ran into him was an award show. I was seated a couple seats away from him, and there was so much that needed to be said, mm-hmm. and neither one of us was willing to say it. So it just, I think okay. it was like, it wasn't like she's like, oh, Dan, let's like hook up. I think it was more looking for closure at the end of a messy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he so they weren't both giving it, but he was yeah, more yeah. like cold shoulder. Yeah. He, he just, just completely like, ignored her. He seems like that typical, I mean, sadly, but guy that like a younger girl, and I've been through this, goes to, doesn't necessarily have to be a, a bad guy, a bad boy, but someone who's condescending, they think they're just too good for you. And you're just constantly trying to prove yourself to them. No matter how great you are, they're already, they're always kind of condescending, belittling you a little bit. And then yeah. finally, you, hopefully you just come to your senses and yeah. you just realize like this, this, this is a toxic relationship. I need to yeah. get the F out. Well, that's what's so interesting about Dear John is because the discourse around that because speak now comes out at the end of in the late fall of 2010 Mm -hmm. um and so or i mean the early fall of 2010 and dear john is one of the most talked about songs one because it names him and two it's six (laughs) minutes and 43 seconds long which is her longest song ever and definitely on this self-written album and in her liner note she said that there's one song on this album that's addressed to someone who made my world very dark for a while and mm-hmm. so it seemed like there was a natural uh, connection to be made there. Plus, it sounds like a John Mayer song. People wrote about that at the time mm-hmm. and how the blues pop was very much reminiscent of John Mayer's last album. And so then she has this like era of being asked about like, oh, you're writing about your exes, like your famous exes. And she says listen, in every one of my relationships, I've been good and fair. What happens after they take that for granted is not my problem. Chances are if they're being written about in a way they don't like, it's because they hurt me really badly. Mm -hmm. Telling a story only works if you have characters in it. I don't think it's mean. I think it's mean to hurt someone in a relationship. 
And at the same time, John Mayer is asked about this song and he tells Rolling Stones, oh, this really humiliated me. It made me feel terrible because I didn't deserve it. Oh, I'm gosh. pretty good at taking accountability now and I never did anything to deserve that. It was a really lousy thing for her to do. I was really caught off guard and it really humiliated me at a time when I'd already been dressed down. I mean, how would you feel if at the lowest you've been, someone kicked you even lower? He went on to say it was cheap songwriting to directly reference an ex in a song. Okay. And so then he comes out a couple, a year or so later with Paper Doll, which seems to be referential to Taylor Swift because it mentions 22, which her single had just come out. Um, it talks about her painted skies, the girl in the dress. It lists all these dresses she wears. And his argument is basically like, Oh, you're like 22 girls in one, and none of them know what they're running from. Um, you, John. Yeah. Running from you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like in the mirror. Um, and everyone was like, oh, this is about Taylor, which yeah. interestingly, she didn't come out and say, oh, it's cheap to talk about someone you dated and you're all done. <laughs> it's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then they never like really address each other again. And. The only time he's ever addressed her again was when he was in that live with um, yeah. Sean Mendez, which so weird. Yeah. Like, they talked about how Taylor wrote a song about him or something like that. Yeah, but. I was trying to remember that because I knew that he said something, but I just find him so annoying and just like, Bleh. but yeah. I mean, the, the relationship did make an impact on Taylor. Uh, a lot of fans yeah. theorize that ours is about them. Um, the story of us. Uh, what are the other ones? Um, Superman maybe, or like one of those other ones that I always skip. (laughs) (laughs) Skip. She wrote a lot about their early part of the relationship and feeling this excitement about like, oh, we're, we're untouchable. We're going to, we're misunderstood, but we're going to make it like, you know, just a very sweet, naive. Which really ties to Look. how he had talked about how they were black swans in the industry. Yeah. Like, you know, they're bonding over how they're misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we did get Dear John, which is sort of this power ballad about, like, don't you think 19 is too young to be messed with? And mm-hmm. I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town. Mm-hmm. Famously, after the Speak Now tour, she's never performed it. Yes. And during Reputation, supposedly some fans asked her about it in a meet and greet. And she was like, oh, no, it's still too raw. Like, I won't I won't play that on the B stage, like, ever. And that was an interesting reveal because, like, again, to people's point, oh, what? They barely dated. Like, what? what? Mm-hmm. But he's a toxic little douche. And... <laughs> That's what the song would have been called if I if I tried to write songs. <laughs> I'm Shelby and I will now become a songwriter. Yay. I think I could do it. You're um, from podcasting to songwriting. Yeah. New genre. But um uh so then when this album came out, would have, could have, should have immediately brought that mm. relationship back into the spotlight. It did. And what's interesting about the would have, could have, should have is that just in the title alone is that in every single, in all the verses, she says um, would have and could have throughout the whole song. They're only in the pre-chorus that she say should have. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, it's because in Dear John, right before the bridge, the hook is I should have known. So we already mm-hmm. known 
that we already have this should have part. And yeah. so this whole time she's singing the would have and could have. And it also ties really into um, Bigger Than the Whole Sky because she says, I think, like, not in the same same ways, but she says could have and would have and should have mm-hmm. through there. And it's talking about, I mean, a lot of people are speculating that she's talking about her girlhood. Like, yeah. where would she have been if it wasn't for him? Yeah, like mourning what some people, you know, there's a lot of ways to read that song. But yeah, I think I, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, you're like for her, it might be just as simple as saying goodbye to who she could have been without the fame, fortune, and yeah, and kind of both sides of that coin. But it also could be about a moment in her time, in her life where it's like, oh shit, like I, I lost my childhood almost. Like I, mm-hmm. something shifted my path irrevocably. Yeah. And not necessarily in a way I wanted it to. Yeah. And it's, you know, th- she did do an, an an interview a while ago and someone's like, <clears throat> what do you regret? Like, what, throughout your whole career, what, what what advice would you give young Taylor? And she's like, you know, like, I wouldn't give her any advice. I don't regret things. Like, I haven't regretted anything. Yeah. And there's that, this one thing where she says, I regret you all the time. Like, so that's powerful. Regret. Yeah. I think it's really interesting the way we consistently ask people and a lot of times women to forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. And there's this like idea that you have to be grateful for everything that's happened to you in your life because that's how you became who you are and that it'd be selfish and a waste of energy to concern yourself with what could have been, would have been, should have been. But I like that this album kind of – allows her the space to process like do I have to like this do I have to like what I went through do I have to like accept this like and I think that's part of why this song is so powerful because it does feel like a personal like it's a prayer right like it's a it's a confession it's it's Mm -hmm. there's these religious themes that carry it um and it feels like someone battling with this like turmoil that they're not sure how to healthily process because they're constantly being told like oh it wasn't a big deal oh just like move on like why did this affect you so much like whatever and I think that's why it's so rich to dig into this because there's just so much (laughs) so much good stuff shall we I know this episode's like gonna be two hours long, I swear, because yeah, I could talk about the song all day. Um, but I'll go ahead and read the first verse. <clears throat> if you blinked, then I would have looked away at the first glance. If you tasted poison, you could have spit me out at the first chance. If I was some paint, did it splatter on a promising grown man? And if I was a child, did it matter if you got to wash your hands? Mm. She's she just leads like, into it. Like there's no like build up. It's just like, let's just say how it is. Yeah. Oh. I know. And it reads like she has this very, this heavy depth to her voice and it feels sort of like sarcastic and biting where she's like, oh, did I make your life harder? Because you mm-hmm. could have stopped this all from happening. He and started it Yeah. He started it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That stupid little tweet. I mean, I I think it's like that if you would have blinked, then I would have looked away. Like the, there was this element of playing like chicken like dancing across this line they knew they shouldn't like oh how far will this go and she's you know 19 she's in enraptured with this guy she's looked up to and he's like he's famous singer and she's just starting her career out like of course she's going to like put him on a pedal still yeah and this like oh if you tasted poison you could have spit me out of the first chance and I think that 
that references back to this like reaction he gave her. It's like, that was a lousy thing to do because I didn't deserve it. And she's like, well, if you thought my songwriting was cheap, if you thought my using my real personal life to write music that you said mm-hmm. was good enough to impress you, then you should have known that this was coming down the pipeline. You could have stopped this if you hadn't been mm-hmm. the the dick to me that deserved this. Yeah, because like not all relationships last. You know, yeah. like sometimes they just come to a natural and do you have to be a dick about it? Yeah. No, you can be a 32-year-old grown man and end it with dignity and just be like, hey, I don't think this is going to go. Like, you didn't have to treat her like a yeah. child, even though Ugh. she was I know. a child. Oh, I love it. These lines are so, like, powerful. Like, the, um, if I was a child, did it matter? Feels like this double meaning where it's like, it didn't matter to you that I was just a child. Mm-hmm. But also, it didn't matter that I was a child because you got away with, with whatever this fling was. And mm-hmm. I... And these women that you've run dry are are given the burden of having to explain themselves to the world yeah. of being like, oh, yeah, I was into him. Like, sorry about that. Like, oh, yeah, he did say that about me and it was embarrassing. But like, let's move on. Like, yeah. they're constantly having to be the ones to navigate this um, power imbalance while he just gets to wash his hands of it. He gets to walk away from it. He doesn't carry the same sort of burden of... Uh, responsibility Mm -hmm. and I think she perfectly sort of breaks that apart with this like line where it's like oh all the articles all these like blogs at the time were like Taylor why are you going after this loser it's like well shouldn't you be turning that on like John why are you going after this child like where is our accountability to how these men are allowed to kind of float through life and we played as a joke where it's like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio dumped his girlfriend at 25. But it's like, well, shouldn't we be examining why yeah. these men get to date these little, you know, starlets and condescend to them and pretend that they're in a real relationship when it's clearly driven by something that's not about them, but about what they represent. Yeah. So that power dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also get one of our first little um, tiebacks to Dear John. Mm-hmm. And if I was some paint, did it splatter? Because one of the lyrics in Dear John is, you painted me a blue sky. Yeah. And so there's that, you know, that direct tie. So when people are trying to say, oh, no, it's about this person or it's about, you know, her losing her records. I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. this, like this is one of the many, many, many Easter eggs yeah. in this whole thing. Yeah, and in Paper Doll, he's he repeats that line where he says, "Someone's gonna paint you another sky." Yes. And so there is like this constant referential treatment to this idea that I, I don't know. To me, it feels like oh, this is something they created. They both had their perspective of what this person is, and so when Taylor sings like, "Oh, um, you painted my blue sky," and then turned and and wash it away or whatever like there's this idea that he's constantly changing what she's meant to be to him Mm -hmm. and he gets to define the relationship he gets to paint the borders of that and kind of decide what it means and what it looks like and he tries to shrug that responsibility off by saying like oh well someone else will take over for me like someone else is going to paint you another sky and you'll be able to fly on you happy little angel Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) i think it's it's powerful the way she says Oh, you're. Uh, if I was some paint, did it splatter on a promising grown man? Um, 
because so often the idea is, oh, he's a promising young man. He shouldn't be held accountable for something. It was just a mistake. Like there's this, if you look at the worst cases in our culture around this misogyny and toxic masculinity, it's constantly where we're like, oh, boys will be boys and we just have to like give them another chance. He has such a promising life ahead of him. Mm. And I love that she's inverts it to be like, you're a grown man and you still expect like this same sort of chance to make mistakes like why is it my responsibility to make sure you act like an adult Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's just like that stood out to me immediately like when I heard it because it's just like such an insane line it's like we always are told to give men space to grow and like they just develop slower and they just need more and it's our responsibility to forgive yeah brain is already developed sadly enough yeah and it's like the playfulness not even playfulness but the the sharpness with which she eviscerates him where he's like at the time he's like i was already down i was already at my lowest and she kicks me like that's just so rude and it's like well maybe look at it from her perspective like you're a grown adult And she's now your same age looking back and realizing what you did at this age to someone who was 19. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you were grown. You should have known. And so they had dated before the song came out, before he made the comment that she kicked me when I was down. Everything he did to make him fall down and, um, I don't know, falter, Mm -hmm. it was what he did in the past year. And it wasn't like this was out of the blue. It wasn't yeah. like she pinned it at the last minute. Like she, he kicked her when she was down. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was not like timed. Like oh, he's down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this song about him. <laughs> like it was his actions. He had already done a year ago. So like it's just coming right back around. He's kicking himself. Yeah, it was. I know, and it's just like, yeah, just the, the, the flippant disregard for someone's feelings when it hurts your own. Like mm-hmm. he. He couldn't fathom to sit there and think, oh, did I hurt her? No, he immediately was like, I didn't deserve that. Yeah. And and it's like, well, okay, so if you're so grown, like, like make it make sense. Like, did I make people judge you? No, you did that. Did mm-hmm. I kick you down? No, you did that. Like, sure, maybe I added to the pile, but that was your own – that was your own – the rubble of your own making, you know? Like, it's like – you took away my innocence. You took away my ideas of my future. And now I'm not giving you a fair chance of like forgiveness and growth because like I'm writing a song about my experience. Like I, I just love this opening verse because it feels so like, there's so much. She's just like, yeah, (laughs) she's coming for it. She's like, and you can feel her maturity where dear John, there's something so like heart wrenching and plaintive Mm -hmm. about it where she's like, you should have known, like, please, like, why did this happen this way? And here she's like, oh, I know exactly whose fault this is, and it's not mine. Yeah, yeah. Because nope. uh, then she goes in, oh, all I used to do was pray, would have, could have, should have, if you'd never looked my way. Mm. I would have stayed on my knees, and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. And the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. And now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you'd left me wondering. (laughs) So, so (laughs) good. (laughs) Chills. Um, And I feel like this is sort of referential to Dear John, where she says, I was praying the floor wouldn't fall through again. Um, And she says, the girl in the dress cried the whole way home. 
I should have known, I should have known. And then she flips it at the end to you should have known. And I feel like it's interesting the, like you mentioned, I love that she leaves the should have sort of alone in this song because it directly ties to that Dear John moment. Mm -hmm. But it also just feels like a recalibration of that of that trauma where Dear John was seen as her most emotionally raw, as seen as her most honest songs of her career. Mm -hmm. And now she's like, well, that wasn't even the full story. Like this trauma runs deeper than that. Like that I thought I processed, but like, oh no, I'm grown now. And I, I have a lot more to say about this. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was 32 when she wrote this song. And so it's very interesting. She's writing it from the same perspective as a 30 two-year-old and he was a third I don't think she would ever date a 19 year old like <laughs> I, I, maybe someone who's two years younger than her yeah funny. but yeah. um it's just so interesting and throughout this whole song she he she sings a lot about you know religious and war um themes and when you when you look at it so his the song that they collaborated on was for the battle studies where john merrick's um he explores the theme of emotional battles and how love mm. is like war and then within half of my heart one of his lines that he sings is your faith is strong but i can only fall short for so long and so it's just mm -hmm. so interesting that she's making all these religious references and all these war references where you know it directly ties to battle studies and half of my heart you know crisis on my faith stayed on me mm -hmm. my knees lord knows god rest my soul and then just without the i can't I, on my top of my mind i can't name all of the the war uh, oh yeah ones but it's just it just it, it's screaming john Mayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love the religious imagery. I think she's used that throughout her career to mean different mm -hmm. things, but there's usually this sort of worshiping factor to her relationships. Um, in don't blame me in false God. There's this idea that religion to her is her love. It's her heart. It's what she can give a person. And here she's saying like, oh man, I, I believed in the wrong person. I believed in the wrong thing. I, I shouldn't have danced with the devil. Like there's this interesting way she uses the religion to be like, it's not just that my faith in myself is broken, but my, my belief in these men was shattered too. And kind of the yeah. repercussions of that. Um, and this sort of like prayer of, I would have stayed on my knees. Like she would have just kept, like, I think it's, it's interesting to think about when she when she ran into John Mayer and how young she was and what she was working on at the time, which was Speak Now, which was an album that came out of the um, criticism she got over Fearless, where it's like, oh, do you write your own stuff? And so she, at 18, 19, decided, you know what, I will write my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And she, she posited it as an album where she explores this growing up, where she realizes, like, life isn't all fairy tales. It's not all enchanted. Like, what does that look like to me? And... Um, and so when you think about that mindset and the, the story she tells on it and the way she uses the visuals in that album, there is a purity, there is a simplicity, there is a childlike nature mm -hmm. to it. And now she's like, wow, like some, that part of me shifted completely and I'm bringing it back to this moment. Like this relationship with you is part of that breaking point for me. Yeah. And I feel like it painted because she says, you know, um, you know, the pain was heaven. She acknowledges she pops part of her probably probably was like, okay, this is a little toxic. But then she goes, now I'm grown. I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you left me wondering mm -hmm. because you think of like everyone she dated afterwards 
and he had an impact Mm -hmm. on how she perceived how they were treating her. Like maybe um, Jake Gyllenhaal would have um, played out differently if she Mm -hmm. hadn't dated John, Mm -hmm. if she wasn't scared of those ghosts coming back. Like she was like, you know, John did this. So every guy is going to do this. She talks about it in Afterglow. Um, You know, she's making these fights and Mm -hmm. for no reason. And I think it's because of her experiences and particularly with John. Yeah, exactly. Like the memories feel like weapons. It can mean like, oh, remembering it hurts, but also I'm using these memories and brandishing them in other relationships, other fights, other engagements where I, I can't just like cite a happy, healthy relationship I'm now thinking about what happened here and the mark this left on me and the wounds it gave me. And I'm using, I'm projecting it onto whatever I'm facing now. And, um, I think that's really powerful and like a relatable lyric, Mm -hmm. um, where she's just like saying, yeah, this was like good in the moment. It was sexy. It was, it was powerful. I think about Billie Eilish and how she's dating someone who's older than her. And she gave that interview where she was like, Oh, I just feel so cool. Like I I'm I'm so freaking in charge of my life that I landed this guy and it's like you know, like there's something where you mm-hmm. can see what they're thinking where you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's great, but also you're not like there's a there's a power imbalance there even if you are like Taylor Swift, even if you are Billie Eilish, like even if you're at the mm. top of your game, you're going to always be combating this maturity that doesn't mean anything bad about you it just means we should be better at letting ourselves treasure that that faith in ourselves that that childlike innocence instead of rushing to be seen as more mature and rushing Mm. to be like grown because now she's like man i wish i just daydreamed about this i wish i just you know scribbled in my little doodled in my journal as john mayer would see her do every now and then um (laughs) and left her wondering a 19-year-old girl, she's just – she's still, like, developing, like, her mind, her body. Mm. She's still very much young, and she's still a teenager. Like, a yeah. 32-year-old mature man, it, like – I don't I – I know there's 10 years differences in a lot of people. But, like, in this situation, mm-hmm. Taylor still looked like she was, like, 16. She could have passed as 15-year-old. Yeah, her and voice so, like, was, like – high pitched yeah (laughs) and like and she was also like like I know he said naive she was just young and just the fact that he was like it was in my mind more of a predatory relationship on his part yeah it was easy pickings for him yeah yeah he you know and I think that's why this like oh if you would have blinked like he knew he could toy with her he knew he could play with her and so why not and the way yeah, exactly. The way he talks about in Paper Doll is so much like a plaything that he can just mess with. And and why did he release that song? That's like only going against him. <laughs> talking know. about how he's just going to play with his paper doll. Like, it's, it's creepy. It's yeah. disgusting. Well, he's saying that she doesn't have a real personality and she just puts on whatever is needed to like I know, move but on. He but he wanted that paper yeah. doll though. That's what's so like, like, yes, all those things you're saying are terrible and bad, but like you – wanted that you were attracted to that like she was a girl yeah she was playing with dolls yeah (laughs) no it's true and and the next verse kind of digs into that too because it says if you never touched me I would have gone along with the righteous if I never blushed then they could have never whispered about this and if you never saved me for boredom I could have gone on as I was but lord you made me feel important and then you tried to erase us 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, it's so brutal. And I think, you know, this this idea of, oh, if you never touched me, then I wouldn't have been tempted. However you want to read that line, like obviously there is a very physical element to that. And I don't think that necessarily means like, what is virginity and what was lost? I think it's more there was a line that they could have just remained professional. They could have just been collaborators, Mm -hmm. but there was a crossing of that. And then suddenly she became this like tainted figure who was going after the bad boy Mm -hmm. and this like referential. Oh, they never, they never could have whispered about this. The news articles of like, Oh, how do you think it went? Like there's this sudden publicity around something that we don't know fully what it was, Mm -hmm. but she's blaming she's blaming him but also herself for being like oh i i shouldn't have fallen for it i shouldn't have like i shouldn't have been it shouldn't have worked like i shouldn't have been turned on for lack of a better term by this man we we talked about taylor lautner last week and we talked about how he's the same Mm -hmm. he's like you know in the song that you know she he stayed the same and and she she moved on and i'm thinking about the timeline that you just went over about how she was dating him and he was a nice guy but just wasn't what Mm -hmm. she wanted and she's just like you would have never saved me from boredom Mm -hmm. i'm like oh like and i'm and like when you think back to december she probably was like oh i would have taken that boredom over this pain like yeah yeah, the pain was heaven but like I'm so sorry because she also had to learn some really, really heart wrenching lessons. Yeah. Based off of like who she chose to move on with next. Yeah. Well, and you can picture him being like, Oh, you must be so bored. Like, what are you mm-hmm. even doing? Like like he from the memoir with Jessica Simpson, you see how like messed up his mind games can be mm-hmm. and how he constantly is trying to like condescend and belittle and and tear someone down and, and yeah. yeah and basically say what you're doing isn't important like what you're doing is nothing like mm-hmm. I'm doing more important things and so this idea of like oh you saved me from boredom feels almost snarky where it's like she just had the biggest year of her career she just won fearless album of the year like she she was skyrocketing to mm-hmm. everything. She was on tour. She was doing this. There was no chance for her to be bored. She was doing Valentine's Day. She was doing SNL. Like <laughs> there's so much going on that it almost feels like he made her feel small somehow, even as this like world tour of uh, stardom Kanye, was happening for her. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the song that comes out of Speak Now that just punches you in the gut. It's about John Mayer and not what another guy in his 30s like did on a public stage yeah yeah and it's just like this idea of oh you saved me it's like well that's probably how he saw it but i think she's yeah Yeah. she's saying like no like even the way he sings paper dolls it's like written like a like a lullaby it's written like oh make yourself some angel wings and if those angel wings don't fly someone's gonna paint you another sky it's literally rockabye baby Mm. like you know uh, hush little baby and and it's like he talks about her like a child he, in that interview he literally says you're like a child and that's what kills her because he broke her down made her feel important and then tried to erase us and i think that symmetry there echoes in what comes with jake gyllenhaal where she says in the 10 minute version 
you said if we had been closer in age, maybe it would have been fine. And that made me want to die. Probably because it echoes the same insecurity that John Mayer planted, where yeah. he just cast her off so easily. And she was left to wonder like, oh, he just sees me as a child. Yep. Yep. Yuck. <laughs> Um, and so then she goes on and says oh you're a crisis of my faith would have could have should have if I'd only played it safe I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19 and the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven and now that I'm grown I'm scared of ghosts memories feel like weapons and now that I know I wish you'd left me wondering which this slightly changes from the first where it goes from all I used to do was pray to you're a crisis of my faith if I'd only played it safe is replacing if you never looked my way. Mm -hmm. So it feels like she's constantly, you know, trying to change who she blames where in the first it's like, Oh, you did this and I, I should have done this. But now it's like, Oh wait, you did this and Mm -hmm. I did this and you should have done this. And it just feels like, um, yeah, like there's this idea that she's, anxious about what went wrong she's replaying scenarios over and over (laughs) yeah exactly and there's this there's this trajectory of her this faith destroying moment where it's like Mm. and it's also interesting to think of like your crisis of my faith well what did taylor believe in like i think she believed in love she believed in the the um heroes the idea that you can find a relationship and it can all be sunshine and roses there's this like idea of believing in yourself enough to overcome any bad instance you know you you got mean you got um all these songs that are meant to be empowering 15 white horse where she's like i'm bigger and better and i'm on to do great things and i think that's something that broke for her like that was the Mm -hmm. faith that she lost where she's like oh there is actually a dark side. It's not just, oh, this isn't the right path for me. It's, oh, wow, someone's going to literally try to hurt me, try mm-hmm. to destroy a part of me, and I have to like contend with that. And I think this coming 13 years after the fact is interesting because you know, she's tried to write these songs where she's like, oh, I forgot that you existed. I'm just going to shake it off. And like, you know, this idea where she's trying to lean into that simple faith she used to have. But the reality is like, no, she's she's pacing the night like rooms like, you know, the smoke like ghosts. Like she's just thinking about these moments and this this moment in particular where she's just repeating the mantra to try and find release. But she can't because it's just like so broken. Mm-hmm. Like her her prediction in Dear John, where she says, I'd look back and regret how I ignored when they said run as fast as you can, like that came true. She does regret it. And that's what this whole song is about. Yep. At 32, it still keeps her up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven is so, so honest a confession. Like she's not saying like every moment with you was horrible. She's saying, I can't believe I liked some of that. And I, mm-hmm. what does that mean about me? And that's a very relatable feeling too. I mean, yeah. Cause it, what that means about her was that she was still young. She was still coming of age. You know, she was robbed of her innocence, whether or not you want to think of it's like physical, emotional, but she was robbed of her innocence. And we've all had these experiences where when, and particularly most of us, when we're young, mm-hmm. where something has changed us, who, yeah. who we are forever. We can never go back. We can never be the same person. And, you know, it's our, always going to be something that you're, you're trying to overcome. Yeah. Like in any situation, you're yeah. like, 
always try to come overcome. I'm sure in her relationship now, you know, she's still fighting with those ghosts. She has to remind like, oh, Joe's not the enemy. Mm-hmm. Joe's not going to hurt me. Like, I'm sure yeah. that's something she's just constantly battling with and she's overcoming it. Yeah. And I think this like image of I damn sure would have never danced with the devil. Like she's saying, yeah, I, I had a responsibility in this, but like if I'd known everything, if I'd had all the facts, if I'd known everything, if I'd been fully developed, then maybe I would have known that I shouldn't like take this dance with you. Like I, you're complicit in this. That takes two to tango. And mm-hmm. I think in um, in the red promo, she had that uh, clip where she talks about like, oh, at some point you grow out of being attracted to the thing that burns you over and over again. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, and then she flippantly is like, thankfully for this album, I hadn't learned that lesson yet. And you can feel these like barbed wires she's putting up to protect herself where she's trying to play it cool and she's trying to you know do her dear john key change where she's like you should have known and she's doing her all too well where it's like uh you know like she's trying to turn the narrative and take power back but she's still running into these issues these ghosts and she's Mm. still like scared of that pain and those memories are feeling like weapons that she's sharpening every time she writes a song and it and it really builds with this bridge (laughs) Gorgeous. This is a great bridge. She says, God rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. I can't let this go. I fight with you in my sleep. The wound won't close. I keep on waiting for a sign. I regret you all the time. If clarity's in death, then why won't this die? Years of tearing down our banners, you and I, living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts. Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. The way she says that that last line, give me back my girlhood. It was, oh, like just chills and it just like really punches you. I know. It it builds so powerfully and so emotionally. Like Mm -hmm. she's not leaning on just the production to carry that. she's wailing like her voice is so raw during that that it's just like jaw dropping I honestly it stunned me when I heard it like it's just like there's very few moments that do that when you have such a strong songwriter you're just almost used to the you know you're you've gotten accustomed to being wowed so Mm -hmm. there's sort of like a oh yes I knew I saw that coming but this was just like you know, freight train to the gut. Like it just, it killed me. I think it's just like so powerful the way she starts this frantic sort of prayer, which is really a funeral. Like God rest my soul. That's Mm -hmm. overdone. Like she's dead. Like I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. Like it's so powerful, this idea that she's stuck in this thing that was once something she worshipped but now recognizes is like toxic and hurting her. And she knows all that. She has the clarity and yet this won't die. Like it's supposed to be like, oh yeah, I got my clarity. Chapter's over. The story of us, like next chapter. Yeah. But it's like, no. And religion, like it's supposed to be your sanctuary. Like Mm -hmm. her religion is somewhere where she's supposed to go and be safe and just be sound and he's ruined it he's ruined her her faith he's ruined what she used to what used to feel like home yeah man I regret you all the time too Mm -hmm. it's just like I'm so glad she admitted that like I like I said at the beginning I think that's such a necessary and powerful reminder that we don't have to just be nice all the time we don't have to just 
forgive all the time and be like, yeah, I'm so grateful for the hard times. Like, no, like you can regret things. You can, you can remember how like tortured they are and realize like, oh, I need to process this in a different way than just acceptance. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think that's so powerful. And, and, you know, um, there is like the, the stained glass windows in my mind, I think a lot of people remember in Half of My Heart music video, she's in the stained glass church for that song. But there's oh. also the the apartment he was staying at at the time, the apartment he lived in famously had stained glass windows. And I think that's such a powerful detail, not only because we love a good detail, no we love a referential moment, yeah. but also the fact that she remembers that 13 years later to write that, right? Like she remembers his apartment so clearly that she can still picture those stained glass windows. And I think that's just like proof that this was a, no matter what happened, like no matter what she counts as the breaking point, it was enough that it like scarred her to the point Mm -hmm. that she remembers visually, viscerally where she was when it went down. And John Mayer also has a song called Clarity, so. Yep, does. <laughs> I think she, you know, she did a similar thing with Sweet Dispositions and how that was um, Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, favorite, mm-hmm. like, album or song or whatever at the time. And so I think I think there is intention there, um, but I think she smartly doesn't make it, like, a coy reference. It's like, I know you're bad. I know everything about you was bad for me. I have that clarity, but I'm still stuck on this. And that's what mm-hmm. hurts her. It's not that she lost him. It's not even that she lost a piece of herself necessarily. It's why won't this die? Like, why can't I just mm-hmm. move on from it? Why can't I just let it go? And I think this build into the years of tearing down our banners, you and I living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts, like that admittance that there is some sick joy she gets from kicking him while he's down. Um, and probably releasing the song too yeah yeah yeah. it's like there's something empowering about that but it's Mm -hmm. also not doing the trick like it's also not closing that wound Mm -hmm. and then for her to admit like oh like just give me back my girlhood it was mine first like oh my gosh because she's not hung up on him yeah she's hung up on like what she what she lost yeah and it's just because like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, yeah, it's not, oh, I regret losing you. Like, oh, like, there's just this real realization that, oh my gosh, like, I, who would I have been without you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's just like, you know, she, she regrets him, not only because the relationship was unhealthy, but because he was a grown man who, decided to date someone who he saw as just a child mm-hmm. took advantage of that possibly in a way that made her feel small and made her feel insecure about how mature she was and now she's like man that ended my girlhood i wish i could have been youthful i wish i could have believed in fairy tales for a little bit longer mm-hmm. like like that would just be so sad to lose that and everyone remembers when they like grew up like when they realized like life was hard or whatever mm-hmm and that she was able to protect that for so long and be so playful for so long. And then to have this happen, I think it's it it makes sense that it sounds like a woman running as fast as she can 
because she wishes that she had done that sooner. Mm. And I just think of like a different, I mean, because I look at this from my perspective too, like 19, I remember just like bawling over a guy who was like 25 years old and he had broken my heart. But then I'm thinking at it from like a mama swift Mm. perspective because I'm I'm a mom, you're a mom. And just like watching my daughter just, you know, her heart broken and not being able to help her is just, you know, tears me down because you know that this is going to be a pivotal moment in her life and you know it's gonna like you know it's gonna be a decision and factor the it's just throughout her life is gonna change so many things I know oh I know and it's like interesting because it's the retrospective that Dear John couldn't be you know Dear John Mm -hmm. was written within a year of this happening Yeah. yeah and while she was able to process it in a way that clearly spoke to people and like gave such a beautiful and emotional song I think adult Taylor is able to like revisit this in in a way where she's the retrospective the retrospect gives it that power because she knows exactly what she was and she realizes that she could she could name the games he was playing like oh I lived in your chess game oh you changed the rules Mm -hmm. oh you were never impressed by me acing your tests but now she's like I was a girl, I shouldn't have had to learn that lesson then. Like I shouldn't have had to realize that then. I shouldn't have had to write a six minute song where people bragged about my emotional maturity. Like I shouldn't have had to carry that weight of processing Mm -hmm. that relationship then because that made me grow up. I had to do the press on this. I had to do this every night on tour. I had to relive this trauma because people were like, wow, look at what she did with this. But she, all she's mourning is this, like, loss of who she would have been without that. Like, I, I'm sure she's always, like, goes, what have, could have, should have. She talks about in Dear John about how people said, run as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And being at 19, she's like, oh, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. I'm sure her mom said something. Everyone else said, like, get away, get away, get away. But the fact that he put her in that situation, being a 32-year-old mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. like, he should have ran as fast as he can. He should have yeah. been like, oh, yeah, this is cute flirting with her, but I'm – this is, I'm bouncing. This isn't a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like she had no, like, I don't want to say she was helpless, but like in this situation, she didn't have the years of experience that she does have as a 32 year old. Yeah. She's had the perspective of listening to people who are warning her because mm-hmm. she thinks this time it's different. And so it's just like, he should have ran. He should yeah. have the situation. Like it's just. Well, and there's a reason these guys. Have. Yeah, exactly. Go for these young girls. It's because they're malleable. It's because they can whether in you know intentionally or not they get to assert themselves over these less strong personalities because their personalities haven't fully formed and you yeah. you see how John Mayer and then Jake Gyllenhaal condescended to her infantilized her made her feel like oh age does matter but it doesn't enough to keep us from dating but you're going to use it as a weapon against me and so now mm. i have to act more mature i have to be i have to be harder i have to be cooler i have to ace these tests, play these games to prove myself to you. And so she let go of that innocence. She let go of that naivety to match what he wanted. And then it wasn't enough. And it mm-hmm. and it still like broke and left her with the pieces. Mm-mm-mm. I wonder if she hadn't dated John. See, this is another would have, could have, should have. Yeah. If she hadn't dated John, if she would have been so into Jake like was she trying Mm. to fix the pieces that broke with her and John and prove to herself that she is an adult 
and trying to make it work with Jake. Like, it just makes me wonder, like, oh, how has this really, like, formed all of her different relationships? How she got into them? Why she got out of them? It's just, it's so fascinating. I know. Well, and I'm sure it's like, she wrote this and she's like, I'm so mature now. Mm Because that's what she thought. She thought this was her entrance into womanhood. She's like, my girlhood is over. He destroyed me, but I picked up the pieces and I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town. I am victorious. And so she probably went into a relationship with Jake thinking, oh, I get it now. I am more mature. I Mm -hmm. am ready for this. And it's like, well, he does the same. He turns around and does the same thing. Spoiler alert. And I like that this like, oh, years of tearing down our banners. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's such an interesting visual because banners can mean you know, like, oh, it's it's your cause, it's your 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 set of beliefs, your your idea of your principles. And she's like, I had to give that up. Like I I had to tear down all these things I believed in because of what we did. But then it's also like you and I are constantly like battling for ground. And if I win, then I take you down. If you win, you take me down. And there's this constant like need to destroy and to control and to be victorious when there are real no winners. Mm -hmm. And so then she Mm -hmm. gives this outro, um, but it doesn't slow down. She doesn't give us the relief you get in Dear John. She doesn't give you that closure you get in All Too Well. It just goes hard and it goes fast. And she says, "I damn, and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. And the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. And now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you'd left me wondering. God rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. I can't let this go. I fight with you in my sleep. The wound won't close. I keep on waiting for a sign. I regret you all the time. Oh God, rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. I can't let this go. I fight with you in my sleep. The wound won't close. I keep on waiting for a sign. I regret you all the time. And it's just like such a powerful outro. And it just like, it, it just leaves your ears ringing, you know? She just puts you into this place. And like you said, she doesn't give you any relief at all. Mm-hmm. Like any, any, you're just like stressed and anxious about the whole time. Yeah, it almost makes Dear John feel like this aspiration that maybe she hasn't quite gotten to feeling that relief and that's why she hasn't played the song again. But this is like the more realistic kind of aftermath of this sort of predatory relationship where it changes her and it doesn't really go away. And so yeah. she's left with the the running hum of like, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Like why, 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 why? Processing, processing, yeah. processing all the time, yeah. And I love this like flip between I miss who I used to be, the tomb won't close, and I fight with you in my sleep, the wound won't close. Mm-hmm. And she focuses on her and her loss and then him and the hurt he caused where it's like, I miss who I used to be, the tomb won't close. Like she's dead, but she's haunting me. Like I can't, I can't close this. I can't shut this. I can't do next chapter. I'm still haunted. And then with I fight with you in my sleep, the wound won't close. It's this battle. It's this image of, you know, combativeness. And the wound is always there because they can't, like, they're still fighting. Like, she's still fighting with him in her brain. And it's just like, you know, she's realizing, oh, not every, you know, guitar string stars on my hand. Like, no, this is an open festering wound. Like, this isn't one that she can just shrug off and write off and forget that he existed and all of that. She's like, oh, 
no, I regret you all the time. And and what's so sad is that he has shrugged her off. He has forgotten about her. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, he's left her to pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. It's like an yeah. un- like just in their relate, just like in their relationship, it's an uneven balance. Mm-hmm. For Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like beautiful. And I think obviously there are implications you can draw about her relationship with him. You can judge why she cares so much about this, what happened that would inspire this. I don't think that matters though, because similar to Bigger Than the Whole Sky, the point isn't the details, it's the feeling and the emotion she brings. And this would have, could have, should have, the what could have been, what should have been, what would have, should have been is like, (laughs) I think that's the point. It's, you know, it's not about the salacious scarf or whatever metaphor you want to draw. It's not about whether or not she sings, it was my first or mine first. I I think it's just this song is brutal because it takes us all back to those moments where we're like, mm-hmm. oh man, that changed my entire life trajectory for for the worst in mm-hmm. some ways. It it damaged my emotional psyche. It it bruised my ability to have healthy relationships Mm -hmm. or it made me question what really matters and what really counts and those dogs agree it's a tough time it's it's you know it's heavy yoshi is just singing the last verse (laughs) (laughs) the battle cry is being sung right but no i i love this song i really do feel like it's just so beautiful and probably one of her best written songs of like her last few albums i i could sit with it all day every day i i could go on about it for like hours to come but we've already run long so we should probably wrap this up yeah so let's wrap up what let's do your uh the the tailor of it all easter egg and is it making tour what's the tailor of it all for you i mean i think the tailor of it all is give me back my girlhood it was my first my first I think it's just like so – it's just such a neat – it just captures it all so neatly, perfectly. That encapsulates the whole issue of the song and why this is still haunting her. It's not like, oh, I miss you. Oh, I remember it all too well. Like it's, no, you took something from me and I'll never get it back. Yeah. It's just like a Ouch. step to the chest. Yeah. Um, what about an Easter egg? I like that this is the 19th track on the album. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's fun. At first I was like, well, first I think it should be on the full album, but whatever. Yeah. I, and then I was like, well, maybe it's the fifth of the 3 a.m. tracks, but no, it's the 19th overall, which is how old she was. The 19th, she was 32, and when she released it, it was 13 years since she's released Dear John. Yeah. It was just like, bop, 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 yeah. there you go. We're, hey, so we're, we're aligned on the Taylor Vidal Easter egg. What grade are you giving this? Oh, I'd give it an A, A plus. A plus. You're a right. Plus. Our grading uh, curves <laughs> on the right one right now. So that is great. And, okay. So she hasn't sung Dear John since Speak Now. Do you think this song is going to make tour? I hope so. Me it's too. such a beautiful bridge. And it's such great a like, ballad. it's such a powerful moment. Like even more powerful than Dear John's finale. Like this, it is sad and it does leave you a little depressed, but to sing it with thousands of people would just be so I don't know like a melody between I think it's called a melody a ballad a medley a medley between like all too well and this like that was just those two gut punching songs because they both kind of address this issue yeah like that I don't yeah men and women especially older men and younger women 
I know. I'm so interested to see how she does this whole thing because it's like she's going to do all too well 10 minute version by itself. But then I'm like, mm. well, why does she have to? It'd be yeah. great to see her mix it up. But yeah, but yeah I, I hope we see this. But I guess I wouldn't be surprised since she did relegate it to a bonus track and she yeah. hasn't really talked about it. And Maybe it is stage. so deeply personal that maybe yeah. she would skip it. But as long as I get champagne problems, then I'll yes. be okay. <laughs> yes. I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, we are out of one one minute and an hour and 30 minutes. So, you guys, we have had a great time. You can find yeah. us on all, all of our socials. <laughs> Uh, Twitter, Swiftish Pod 13, Instagram, Swiftish Podcast. Um, you can find me yeah, on TikTok sometimes. Times. I, I think we'll be able to do one more episode before the end of the year. Um, so we'll have to see what that is. But yeah. until next time, I'm Shelby. And I'm Ashley. And Taylor, we, we don't regret it all the time. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>